0: What's up, everyone, and welcome to episode 97 of the Just an Insight podcast, a show where I, Tim Birkbeck, talk to people involved in the world of alternative music and discuss their musical journey. I uh, hope everyone survived the snow here in the UK and in the US. I think the US probably more so than than here. And if you had snow anywhere, wherever you are in the world listening to this show, hope you survived it. Um, I luckily managed to avoid the most of it to be honest had a bit of snow here friday morning managed to get into work absolutely fine little bit of snow on the road but nothing too tragic then went off to london no snow there and then over the weekend was fine but apparently loads of places elsewhere were had a lot more troubles so thankfully i was all right um but the only thing that kind of came out of it is i've come out with a bit of a cold Uh, which I'm just sort of recovering from. You might be able to tell my voice is still a little bit worse for wear, but honestly, come Friday night, my voice is just fully gone. I could barely talk. Um, So, yeah, going to start off this episode with a bit of news this week because it's been a couple of weeks since I've been able to to share some some interesting stuff with you, partly because I've been a bit lazy on my part, but also because I didn't think there was a whole lot of exciting stuff to to kind of share. We're, we're still in that sort of weird limbo at the start of the year, but things are starting to, to tick along now. Um, one of the big things that's come out recently is uh Art Tangent have announced their first set of bands, which are going to be at this year's festival. Uh, we already knew one of the headliners was going to be Meshuggah, but joining them will be uh, Battles, Cult of Luna, Zia Leonardo, uh yeah, and just loads of other bands. Those are the main... Kind of ones that came came to heart, uh, came to mind. Sorry, uh, sixty-five days of statics. Another one, but so so much more. Um, <coughs> sorry, excuse me. As I said, cold still still lingering a little bit. But yeah, I think they've really kind of upped their game this year so far. Our tangent with the bands that they've announced, um, and it looks set to be another fucking rad year um, at the festival. Is hopefully going to be my third year going. Last year was cool. I think the year before I preferred it, maybe just because there was more bands there that I was keen to see, but this yeah, this year's already Cold, Luna and Sugar alone are, are kind of making me excited. Battles as well, but yeah, looking forward to this year's ATG. Um, on a note of a band that paid ATG the first year I went, uh, Employed to Serve have announced that they're going to be releasing their f- third full-length album uh, entitled Eternal Forward Motion. Um, as part of that they've also announced they're doing their biggest ever headline show in London and one in Scotland as well Uh, I think the the one in London is uh, The Garage Uh, I can't remember where the one in Scotland is, I should be more prepared for these kind of things really shouldn't I, Um, but I believe they're on May 10th May 11th to mark the release of said third album so kudos to those guys, Sammy obviously a former guest of this show, Um, Justine if you're listening love to have you on um, so yeah, that's happening in May um, and going to kind of round things off with a little bit of sad news um, Gorilla Biscuits side by side and Project X guitarist Alex Brown recently passed away from an aneurysm um, now I'm not claiming claiming to be the hugest Gorilla Biscuit fan but they were a massive obviously part of New York hardcore and sort of the hardcore scene in general I was more into Project X um, but obviously the whole sort of that kind of movement of hardcore and Alex's influence and in that was has kind of shaped what the scene is today so it's sad to see him go Um yeah so that's kind of the news I guess uh, this week for me another pretty busy one uh, was in Brighton on Tuesday to see Koji in such gold which was loads of fun I haven't really seen either of those acts in a long time so it's kind of a bit of a nostalgia trope but also cool to see that they're still both going really strong um, and then Friday was up in London to speak to this week's guest and see their band Absolutely Kill It at the Old Blue last um, so yeah, my guest this week is uh, Ithaca vocalist Jamila Azuz uh, we discuss what it was like for her, her growing up in a very male-dominated London hardcore metal scene uh, taking a leap of faith to to just join Ithaca basically uh, it's quite interesting to hear the story on that and the retrospect that she has on that Um, and how kind of having vocal lessons when she was younger and doing sort of uh, theatre performance kind of helps her has helped her preserve her voice whereas other people like myself blow their voice out very easily back when we first start out doing uh, aggressive vocals to say Um, a few points I do want to make before we get deep into the conversation firstly we record this in a stairwell uh, at the old blue last which we thought was led up to offices Turns out I led up to a couple of flats, um, and there's a point where there's like a max exodus of said flats. So I've trimmed down the the audio, but you might notice a few kind of sudden sound cuts, but it's just to get rid of people walking up and down stairs, essentially. Um, the second is that part of the conversation we do talk about uh, sexual assault and sexual abuse, um, because there was a bit of the conversation that I really wanted to talk to Jamila about, it was something that she was heavily involved in um so if that is something that uh, has affected you in the past or is, is is triggering in triggering you in any way shape or form then this is just a, a heads up that that is part of the discussion that we do have um but that being said please enjoy the chat that i have with jamila and i will see you on the other side We start on the twenty eighth, and then we're doing it sort of like that weekend, and then just sort of week, play bag, not like week nights whenever we can, sort of thing. sometimes you have to, don't
1: you? You just got to kind of squeeze it in, yeah, in between.
0: Yeah, I sat in some weird, spooky staircase at the old Blue last with Jimblet zoos. So did they yeah. all right? You yeah. did, yeah. Uh, vocalist of <laughs> Ithaca, uh, your release show. So yes, were you excited?
1: uh yeah fucking (laughs) terrified absolutely terrified and it's been snowing all day as well um so mainly just damp
0: yeah it's just very soggy out there right now isn't it it's a soggy day it's a soggy day well i'll go to my usual line of questioning in a minute but like does this kind of feel like things have finally come to a point of Quite, quite a celebration because it's been a long fucking time with this record coming out yeah <laughs>
1: yeah it's been a while it's been a while um it's been just over three years yeah. so um i think the last time we played here at the Obby last would have been about three years ago as well so I was, I was
0: saying to sam red i literally can't remember the last show i came to here yeah
1: yeah it's so it's nice so yeah it, feel, it feels a bit like things have come full circle um yeah, so I'm really excited. And yeah, we, we kind of just decided that um, we just wanted to have a release party anyway, Yeah. Uh, regardless. We was kind of just like, the album's coming out, we'll put on a show, we'll just invite everyone down and yeah, just yeah. like have a really nice time. Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> um, well, how I like to start all of these is ask my guests how they kind of got into alternative music. So what was your first exposure to alternative music?
1: Um, my first exposure to, I guess, it, what, what do you mean by alternative? Like well, heavy music or? Yeah,
0: like it can be anything from Green Day, Blink-182 to anything metal, like whatever yeah. sort of put you on the path to to where you are now, really.
1: I guess like, uh, kind of your mainstream metal and new metal yeah. would have been the first thing. So Slipknot, our lords and saviours, Slipknot, <laughs> <laughs> um... <laughs> That kind of thing and then i'm really lucky because i have an older brother who's five years older than me okay so um yeah when i was like 11 he would have been about 16 so he was kind of way ahead of me in terms of that sort of thing
0: yeah kind of same. like my brother's four years older and he was the same sort of thing got me into like corn and coal shaming yeah exactly
1: yeah and a big one was buying all the old like uh kerrang and metal hammer Magazines back, but I mean, we're talking back when they used to come with like VHS tapes and just sitting down and watching all the videos. Um, (laughs) I think me and the other me and the other guys um, realized that there was one really specific VHS tape that we all had at the same time. This was way before I knew them, obviously. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Going back like over ten years ago, but it was the one that had Coal Chamber, Loco, Coal Chamber on it. That was
0: the drilling the vein video. That was it, yeah. Drilling the vein,
1: yeah. We were we we were at the exact same time. Oh, it had an obituary song on it
0: as well. I can't remember which one. It had Slipknot on it. It had Slipknot on it, and I always remember it had Madball Pride on it. Yeah. And, and
1: did it did it or did it not have Ride the Wings of Pestilence, by from First to Last on it? Or am I thinking of something? No, else? that's a different one. That's a different one. Yeah, Shit. yeah.
0: But I just I always remember like the the Madball video because I was sort of like, what the fuck is this guy doing? Yeah. Like, yeah. And his wife beater, like running around, and then like fast forward like three years, I'm like fucking Madball, a rad! I it's love just, Freddy. Yeah. <laughs> But yeah like so from from there was it just kind of digging deeper and finding sort of more sort of more bands and things on there
1: Yeah I think one of the, one really really crucial point for me um, something that was really important was that my older brother him and his friends used to burn CDs as you did back right, then yeah, yeah. So you would spend hours downloading all this shite off of Kazar <laughs> yeah. or LimeWire or whatever or Soulseek if you're me um, if you are oh, Yeah I love Soul Seek. Um, <laughs> and uh, just burning them onto CDs and just showing them around school. Yeah, yeah. And he gave me a CD that him and his friends were really into at the time. One of his friends had made it. And he gave it to me and was like, oh, maybe you'll like this. I was only like 12 or 13 at the yeah, time. Yeah, um, And it had a lot of death tones on it. Okay. So it would have been like well, probably White Pony stuff yeah, on yeah. there. It had... Um, the, the whole of uh, "Too Bad You're Beautiful" by From Autumn to Ashes. Nice. Um, had, that, like, fucking that? It had ages. Right. It had the whole of uh, "Jasmine's Lullaby" by Seven Angels Seven Plagues. Fucking hell. On it, and uh, some Killswitch Engage, like just metalcore classics, yeah, yeah, yeah. and then right at the end, a bunch of really dumb Tenacious D shit. <laughs> so like, I, <laughs> I was like, I was in my element. I was like holy fucking shit all of this music is it just blew my mind yeah, yeah, because yeah. I'd been listening to Slipknot and stuff like that so obviously I loved heavy music but I wasn't it, it was a different different feeling do you yeah, know what yeah, I mean yeah. and that was kind of really crucial for me because that's although you know I've grown up listening to everything and like in terms of heavy music especially I don't tend to stick to one yeah type yeah I think a lot of
0: people kind of that way and kind, of, especially now anyway there's so much different sort of variety and stuff out there now as well
1: yeah for sure but that was where I fell in love with Metalcore cool, yeah, yeah. Uh, for the first time and <laughs> kind of yeah I guess it like in a way went on to shape my music taste from that point yeah. and where I started kind of looking into and the bands I started listening to and and ultimately probably being in this band
0: yeah yeah and because have you always You've always lived, like, well, you grew up in London, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah, yeah. So, I, I came to uni here, and that was kind of where, like, I was, I was kind of on that cusp of sort of still listening to metalcore, but just getting into hardcore. Mm-hmm. And, obviously, I discovered The Underworld was doing every hardcore band under the sun sort of things. That's where I kind of fell in love with hardcore sort of side of things. So, for you, like, growing up in, in this city, like, mm-hmm. w- were you going to shows quite early? Did, when did you sort of start venturing out on actually going to shows?
1: Oh yeah, um, I mean, we had, I mean, oh God, imagine this. I mean, you're living in London, you're a teenager, yeah, you're yeah. super young, you've got MySpace, <laughs> do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. you've got MySpace, that's the big thing that's yeah. going on. You've got a fucking massive fringe, you've got your white belt, you've got your white studded belt, yeah. and you've got the underworld. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, So for me, it started with you know a lot of people that I'm still friends with now actually thankfully yeah. like going to shows at the Underworld there was a um night every month if I remember correctly called Subverse that was an under 18s metal night that sounds incredible that was like but it was like a gig night right but specifically for like metal death metal like yeah, hardcore yeah. kind of everything and that was where I first started listening to bands like um Asriel and oh God, um yeah just you know like all of those t-don bands actually yeah, yeah. like the really early T- t-don bands your demise like all those guys there was loads of them like eyes of a traitor who were a lover like another favorite um, yeah, yeah, all that kind of stuff uh and they used to put on metal fest every year at the underworld as well which God, was yeah, amazing that. Yeah, yeah yeah, metal Fest, and then you had all the kind of bit more international like metal bands yeah, come yeah. over um so we had that and when you're growing up in an environment where music is so important, especially if you grew up on MySpace and stuff like that, <laughs> yeah. do you know what I mean? You just, everyone goes to every show and yeah, every yeah. gig. So we're really lucky we had a like an under-18s night. Yeah, not yeah, that definitely. we not that we weren't also going to the over-18s <laughs> nights. Yeah. So somehow we managed it, um, doing that. And then eventually, kind of like you, getting into hardcore a bit more and then um, starting to go to ruction shows and stuff like that, yeah, yeah. Um, going to a 12-bar um, really made a difference.
0: So then, from there, what was your kind of? When was the spark that you were like, "I want to sort of perform"? Because I read somewhere that you went to like, did performing arts mm-hmm. and so. So was was that kind of prior to discovering music, or was it kind of part and parcel? Did it kind of run parallel those two things?
1: It was very much at the same time. Um, I went to uni to do theatre and performance, and yeah. did a lot of musical theatre at the time as well. Um, I, like hundreds of thousands of other teenagers, got forced and rushed into picking a degree at a very young age. Yeah. I didn't really know what the fuck I was doing. All I knew was that I was good at singing and I was yeah. good at performing, so I went to do a performing arts degree with the, I don't know, I didn't really have an aim for what I was going to do afterwards. Yeah, yeah. But once I got halfway into my degree, I realised that everyone was either going to be a teacher or they were going on into actual acting work yeah
2: yeah and I
1: realized I didn't want to do either of those things <laughs> and I actually fucking hated it yeah it was like this is really not for me and at that time <laughs> because I went to uni in Leeds yeah, yeah I was going to all the like 30 days a night shows like yeah, yeah. at the well like they had a really really good hardcore scene up there I was having a really fucking great time so those things kind of uh um converged I guess yeah yeah um and it wasn't like a big epiphany, I just knew what I needed. <laughs> I just kni- I knew I needed to leave. Yeah, yeah. Um I wasn't at that point planning on starting a band or anything like yeah. that, but um I kind of knew that's what I wanted to do. Yeah. So like
0: in terms of like singing, like in the general, like broadest time, mm-hmm. are you like trained? Like have you had like not classical training, but have you had like vocal lessons and shit like that?
1: Yes. Um, yeah. Um Yes, I <laughs> uh, I am a trained singer yeah, yeah but the quality of my voice over the years <laughs> I, guess,
0: I guess what you're doing now kind of doesn't help.
1: But. Yeah, people might disagree with me. Um and I think uh I, to be honest, I'm going to be real with you. Like I had a like a really bad time. Yeah. Um I had quite a shit time at uni. Right. Which is one of the other reasons I wanted to leave. So when I got back to London, I was kind of like, I don't want to sing anymore.
2: Okay.
1: Uh just too many bad memories. Yeah. Do you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah. I was just like I don't I don't want this to be part of my life anymore.
2: Yeah.
1: And I knew, but I knew that I still wanted to perform. Yeah. So I was like, okay, well, what's the logical next step? Yeah. I love hardcore, I don't want to sing anymore. Just just do the other thing then. <laughs> <laughs> like do the other thing. Do yeah, the other yeah, thing. Yeah. Um so i think i'm i have you know i'm quite privileged in a way that i have been privy to like uh, proper vocal technique yeah, for most yeah, yeah. of my adult life so um doing harsh vocals and doing screaming and stuff like that is is always something that's not necessarily been easy, but yeah. has been easy for me to do the right way.
0: Yeah, yeah. You're not doing it in a way that's gonna absolutely yeah. really kill your voice, sort of thing. Right,
1: yeah. I'm not saying I sound good because <laughs> that's up for debate, and I'm sure a lot of people think I sound like shit. But um, I can do it without yeah, yeah, blowing, yeah. blowing my voice out pretty yeah, much. Yeah.
0: So, which I learned very quickly that is something that happens if you strain too much. <laughs> I think I just remember like the first like show I'd done in fucking ages, just giving it a hell for leather and the next morning I was like, yeah. So yeah, we've all been there. We've all
1: been there. Like even for me at the beginning, it was, it was very much, I knew proper vocal technique, but I didn't also didn't really know what I was doing. I was like, yeah, yeah. I know, you know, I know that if I do it this way, it hurts, but am I doing it the right way? Yeah, Yeah. Um, but yeah, I just, I just didn't really want to sing anymore. Um, so coming into writing this album and making that decision that maybe this was something that I wanted to explore a little bit. Um, was really interesting. Yeah. It was an interesting thing to do. <laughs> so, you,
0: is Ithaca the only band you've been in? Or have you been in stuff? Uh,
1: it's the only band I've been in that's been of any consequence. <laughs> and even then, again, that's up for debate. So,
0: So what... Okay, come on then. What was sort of the early incarnations of what you were doing? Just...
1: Pff, bedroom fucking nonsense, do you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. Just like... I... I hate to flog a dead horse <laughs> but you know I'm sure a lot of people will roll their eyes at this and there are a lot of people that do and they're not necessarily people that whose opinion I care about yeah, but yeah. when I was very young or when I was a teenager at least maybe 1920, and was kind of figuring out that I wanted to be in a band hardcore and metal was not a welcoming space for me
2: Yeah.
1: so it wasn't as easy as me posting on MySpace or Facebook and being like hey who wants to start so a band yeah
2: yeah yeah
1: Everyone else was doing that, but I couldn't do that. Yeah. And I, yeah, there was nothing stopping me from doing it, but I didn't feel comfortable doing yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, And I don't think at that point there would have been any men that I knew who would have given me a yeah, chance.
0: Yeah, because back then it was, it still is a little bit to some points today, but especially like in those MySpace days, yeah. it was like, the especially metalcore, it was like, yeah. you sort of pose a fringe, guys, and that was sort mm-hmm. of... If you weren't in with their clique, then they didn't want to know you sort of thing. So that was kind of...
1: Yeah, I mean, when I was growing up, like, if you were a female, the only fame the only you got from knowing a band or being friends in a, ba- with, in a band is if they took a picture of you and put it on their MySpace. Yeah, yeah, well, You yeah. were lucky enough to be on the album cover. Yeah. Like, it wasn't... Do you know what I mean? It wasn't a thing, so... What,
0: you were one of the... Uh, what was this? fucking... What was that clothing line? What? the Freeman the Horizon guys drop dead yeah, yeah. one of his fucking his models yeah, 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 yeah exactly
1: yeah. yeah so it it wasn't <laughs> it wasn't that's the reason I haven't been in you know five six bands before this yeah, yeah. it was for me even just joining this band was a fucking huge deal when I yeah. was 19 or 20 yeah so it was it was years of of wanting to do it but trying to find the right way in mm. and having men gatekeep and and stop me from doing it and finding the right people who were like no actually you can do it and we want you to do it with us
0: Mm. in terms of that because like obviously now it's a very different landscape in terms of representation within sort of metal. obviously it's still not perfect Mm -hmm. but it's better Mm -hmm. but like for you growing up were there any sort of females that you looked up to or or was it just too hard to kind of grasp to
1: um when I was growing up, I loved Kate Bush. Nice. Now she's a fucking massive Tory, <laughs> yeah. so I'm not allowed to talk about that anymore it upsets me too much. Yeah. Um, and I loved Tarie B. Nice, okay. And I absolutely fucking loved that she was this weird white female rapper yeah, yeah. who then went on to make some of like the most brutal Brutal like female vo- like yeah, vo- yeah, brutal yeah. vocals like you know and like being a metal band and stuff yeah, yeah. and I was like that's fucking sick and also when I was quite young going got into listening to like Jack of Jill and stuff yeah, and like yeah. Jessica and like stuff like that she was important not necessarily musically but as a role model yeah
2: yeah fucking
1: super cool and um, yeah just a lot more kind of. Left of the field, like punk stuff. Yeah, yeah. That was definitely a bit more inclusive than the music that I wanted to play.
2: Yeah, 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 yeah.
1: It was really important to have that, but I didn't necessarily feel like in metal or metalcore, whatever you want to call it, that I had a role model. Yeah, yeah, because I
0: think, like, off the top of my head, the only females that were kind of playing... Like, there were females in the sort of metal mm-hmm. scene, but ones that were playing, like, abrasive metal mm-hmm. was obviously Candies from Walls of Jericho. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the girls in Kitty. Kitty, they, yeah, they Kitty, yeah. Yeah, they're the only two that kind of, like, spring to mind. But apart from that, like, you're kind of clutching your straws a little bit.
1: Yeah, I mean, I... There was one Kitty album that I really loved, and I heard one of the songs on a mix CD once and was like this is sick and looked them up and was like oh they're all women this is wicked and I love them because they were all women and they were all playing really you know heavy music but stylistically I grew out of that do you know what I mean so that is just one of those things (laughs) I I will say I still fucking love Arch Enemy oh yeah yeah of course yeah
0: Yeah. so how did Ithaca come about then how like because obviously I know now Red's in it it's a bit Mm -hmm. different because obviously he's join later but and you've had various sort of member changes so in that early incarnation how how did
1: things come about um we've only had one member change
0: okay Um, i don't know why i thought you had more
1: yeah no we 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 had the same lineup up until last year okay um unfortunately our bass player drew well not unfortunately it's great for him he moved to Finland oh, he like got his dream job and moved to Finland so yeah, yeah, that's yeah cool. it's like great for him um <laughs> really sad for us and then but then it's also great for us because we got red. red yeah yeah um so Sam um and Will the, our, uh, our guitarist and Lewis our drummer all went to school together uh, okay it's how they know each other yeah, so they've yeah. known each other for a really long time um I d- obviously didn't know them <laughs> and I think they just spend you know years when they were at school just, just fucking like about, yeah, yeah, yeah just yeah. being like you know I'll start a band and eventually you know they got to a point where they were like actually should we actually do it Like, yeah. we've been doing this for years we've been messing around for years let's do it um, so yeah the the, the the fun part of the story is that um, Sam posted on this website that I'm not sure is in use anymore it's probably defunct now called join my band Okay. Which I had never used seriously. Right. Me and my friends used to use it to laugh at people. <laughs> which sounds really horrible. And, you know, I'm a grown adult now, so yeah, I don't yeah, do that yeah. sort of thing anymore. But, like, we'd go on there and read all the posts from, like, all these weird old dads being, like... Doing do you, my covers yeah, back. Yeah, yeah, do you like to rock and <laughs> roll all night? And all this kind of stuff. And, like, do you like the scorpions kind of thing? And Which sort of hilarious. And But, you know on a very basic level, people were, like, posting adverts. Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah.
1: Stuff on there. We just thought it was really funny. And I remember going on there with a mate once and I saw Sam's ad and it was like, oh, looking for a vocalist for a band, South London. And the list of influences were all really good. Yeah, yeah. For once, it wasn't, like, uh, Pink Floyd and, <laughs> do you like, Crosby, Stills, Nash & Young? Um, but it was, like, Dillinger Escape Plan and yeah. The Chariot and stuff like that. And I was like that's quite interesting yeah yeah that's quite interesting um thought i'd see what that was all about and here we are <laughs>
0: <laughs> so like in terms of kind of going along like did you guys just like click straight away like because for you must have been like obviously where they've gone to school together mm-hmm. must have been quite like a sort of a nervous sort of thing going into that environment
1: it was terrifying what I, you know they invited me down for like a I won't say audition, because it wasn't really an audition, but yeah, it was yeah. kind of an audition, I guess. Um, and they said, look, we have this rehearsal space in South London, come down, um, and we'll just, we'll just see what happens. Yeah, yeah. Um, what I, the thing is, I didn't tell anyone that I was going, because I didn't want anyone to know what I was doing. Right, OK. Because I was like, well, if they don't like me, this will be really embarrassing. Yeah, I yeah, don't yeah. want anyone to know. Yeah, because um, you
0: don't want people
1: going, oh, how did it go? Right, or, exactly, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah now in retrospect what i will say is do not in the middle of december when <laughs> it is very dark and very cold go down to an industrial estate in south london <laughs> and me, meet three, meet three men that you've never met before <laughs> and not tell anyone where you're going yeah, like yeah, maybe retrospect. yeah that that became very clear to me afterwards <laughs> uh, i was quite lucky though obviously um so i went down and um met them was absolutely terrified, yeah. was super anxious about it, went down, they were all really nice, and they, they said, look, we, we, we'll play you a song we've written, if you just wanna like ad-lib over the top or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Um, we'll just see what your voice sounds like. So they played the song, I just like, did the first, first thing that came into my head.
2: Yeah.
1: And afterwards they were like, gobsmacked. They're like, what the fuck was that? <laughs> that sounded amazing. Like that sounded absolutely incredible. Like, what were the lyrics? Like, yeah, what were you yeah, saying? Yeah. Like, you have to tell us. And I was just like, well, it was Break Stuff by Limp Biscuit. <laughs> and, they, and, they, and they were like, you're in the band. And that was like... fucking
0: amazing. <laughs> that was
1: so good. And it was just like the first thing that had come into my head. And I don't know if I was just like listening to Limp Biscuit on the way there on the train, just like trying to hide yeah, myself yeah, up yeah, or yeah. whatever. But um, I was just like, fuck it, just do some Limp Biscuit. And they, they played this crazy, you know, these crazy riffs. And yeah, like, they yeah. obviously had no idea um, what it was that I was saying. Yeah. And they were immediately like, you have to join our band now. And I was just like, well, okay. (laughs)
0: So I tried tried to find this out, but I couldn't pinpoint an exact date. So, how long have you guys actually been a band now?
1: Um, Since December 2012, I believe. So,
0: obviously, this record is going to be a lot of people's sort of first exposure of you guys. Yeah. But you
1: have been around
0: for quite a while. Mm -hmm. So, before we get on to, to the record itself, like, in that time, like, you've gone kind of through peaks and troughs of sort of, like, being really busy, then being really quiet, then mm-hmm. being busy, and so on and so forth. Is that just down to circumstances that, like, time-wise hasn't worked out, and other things have kind of gone in the way, and, like, now you kind of feel more confident that you are pushing things more, or has it been a case of, like, you have pushed things, but maybe people haven't noticed?
1: Um... I would say more of the first Yeah. because people who have listened to our music in the past will know that we've not been around for a while yeah. and know that we haven't played any shows in a while. We went from playing 150 more plus shows in a year yeah, yeah. to playing like three last year. Yeah, because
0: I was, just, I was trying, trying to wrap my brain on the way down mm-hmm. here like when we actually first met mm-hmm. and I can't really pinpoint it but I remember it was in that period of like you were on, like, every show. Yeah.
1: Particularly, like, in between our first EP, Narrow the Way, and our second EP, yeah, Trespasses, yeah. we played every fucking show in the UK we could get our hands on. Like, we were touring non-stop. It was going really well. Um, and then, yeah, just circumstance. Um, life got in the way, yeah. unfortunately. And it's, it's something that happens. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. We tried as hard as we could to keep it going and... But the thing is, we always knew that whatever happened, we'd finish the album. Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. It
1: was never a case of, let's go on hiatus, or let's put it back down, put it down and come back to it. Throughout everything that was going on in our personal lives, we we still carried on.
2: Yeah,
1: And it did mean, obviously, not playing shows and stuff, but we kind of we were focusing on the album first mm. because that's more important. Yeah, yeah, Um And we knew that the shows and the festivals and stuff will, would come afterwards. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we have been away for a while and it, it has been so nice to to kind of have... Just have people care, I guess. Yeah. And just be, like, <laughs> yeah. well, we're glad you're back. Yeah,
0: yeah. And in terms of, kind of, <clears throat> the evolution of the band, like, as I say, like, I think... I, I can't remember the exact date when I first saw you, but, like, I think what you guys are doing in terms of kind of what you're putting out there in content of like message, even just sort of the stuff that you're doing on sort of like social media is like putting messages out there, mm-hmm. is kind of that's become a lot more a part of the band rather than his new song, listen to it. And yeah. that kind of be the, the end of it sort of thing. So was that a conscious decision that you kind of spoke about that, that you guys wanted to, to not necessarily politicize things, but mm. like to, to bring issues to the forefront. Cause I think, now obviously a lot of bands are doing it but you guys have been doing it for quite a while
1: yeah we've we've always done it it's always been something that we've always really been passionate about the Mm. only difference now is that more people are asking us yeah you know the more press we've gotten the more people have asked there are the more people there are to actually ask us about it and the the more you know the more people hear it from us i guess um so it's not that we're trying to push an agenda or like p- push <laughs> yeah. that more than we used to. Yeah, yeah. We always used to, you know, even back in the very early days, we always had these the same message but no one was fucking listening back yeah, then. Yeah, and yeah. The only difference now is that there are more people listening yeah. now. So um we're very lucky in that regard. Um I always say like our music is not political. Yeah. But as a band we are. Yeah, yeah. You know. And we're not We don't try and force our politics on anyone, but but at the same time, you know, our very existence is as a band is political, whether people like it or not. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it wouldn't make sense for us to not talk about it.
0: Yeah. I was going to mention this later, but I think it's time to bring it up now. Mm -hmm. Because you said about people, whether they like it or not. Mm -hmm. I've got to mention the Revolver article. Oh my (laughs) God.
1: Right. I'm just going to put it out there. I'm going to say it now. If you are a crusty old fucking white dinosaur metalhead dude and you have a problem with me or my bands, you have a problem with women playing metal music, you've got a problem with brown people playing fucking metal music, you've got a problem with non-binary or trans people or gay people or you know fucking whoever playing metal or heavy music. Just fuck off now. (laughs) Fuck all the way off. Keep fucking off until you're back here again and then fuck off again because I cannot be dealing with it. Like, the revolt... To be honest, right, to anyone who actually read the Revolver article, you will know that there was nothing remotely political in that article. No, no, that's the thing. That's what absolutely blew my mind. I was sort of like, what the fuck? Are
0: they taking this just off the fact of a photo? Yeah,
1: there was maybe one sentence in it where we spoke, kind of spoke about how we we occupy quite an important space in yeah. the scene as a band with you know brown people, you know people of different genders, sexualities. Yeah, that yeah, sort of thing. Yeah. Now, Which I think it's really important
0: these days. Like, yeah, like loads of people just still don't seem to get
1: it. Representation is important, but the the actual feature in Revolver magazine itself was not even remotely political. There's was only one sentence about it, um, the, where. Now, Revolver, when they posted it online, chose to lead with a with a, with a yeah, yeah. tagline or a byline that was about race and gender and sexuality and stuff. Good. I don't fucking care. Do yeah, you know what yeah. I mean? Like, good. That for me, that ensures that the right people are reading it. Mm. What then happened is it just diverged, like divulged into this absolutely horrendous cesspit of a comment section where like two hundred men brought it upon themselves to like comment on it being sexist and misogynistic and transphobic and, you know, telling me that calling me a cunt, yeah, telling yeah. me that they were gonna punch me, that they were gonna slap me in the face. So, you know, just like all of these insults that were completely unfounded. And the great thing is is that obviously none of them read it. Yeah. Like yeah none yeah, of yeah. them read the article or the feature at all. Had they done that, they would have realised that there yeah. was it was there was nothing in it
0: no, no, about no.
1: that. But um It just goes to show that, you know, fucking white male privilege is, like, it's still there. Yeah. It's still there. People will always have a problem with people like me and my bandmates playing music. And those are the people that I'm, like, really, really looking forward to dying. And it will be soon. It will be soon. They're all in their 50s and 60s with their fucking leather jackets on, I like the irony is they're all there listening to like Judas Priest and Rob Halford, who's yeah, like yeah, the yeah. most openly gay, gay guy, guy yeah. in the world, being like, Don't push your fucking agenda on me. Yeah,
0: yeah.
1: And they've all got fucking high cholesterol and they're all gonna be dead very soon. <laughs> and I cannot wait.
0: But well the reason I wanted to kind of bring it up because like sorry, I just went on a brand. No, 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 honestly, like, absolutely fine. But like the whole time I've known you, like, for people that don't necessarily know you like you've got quite a hard exterior but mm-hmm. you are one of the nicest loveliest people that i know Aww. And like, <laughs> <laughs> thank you that's all right but like do, is it because of things like that that you've grown kind of like a thick skin and that you've had to just deal with it or like do you feel that now that without this kind of saying you're in a privileged position but because you're now in a band that's getting a bit of limelight that mm-hmm. you more than ever, have to kind of push back.
1: Yeah, I have to push back for sure. Like, when we first started the band, I got shit all the time for being a woman Mm. from other people in the hardcore scene because we hadn't reached that point yet. Yeah, yeah. And then we reached a really good place where we had lots of people who liked our music, especially in London and the south of England. And we were just in that little bubble. Yeah. And everyone was saying nice things. (laughs) And now... You get to a point where you're having, like, national and international press.
2: Yeah.
1: That's when the shit really hits the fan. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Because all of these people are taking you on face value.
2: Yeah, yeah.
1: And they don't know anything about you. But, you know, that just makes me even more determined. And, you know, it just... Also, it's worth saying, I'm not going to fucking lose any sleep over any of these people. (laughs) Do you know what I mean? I do not care. I have had people say way worse things to me in my life. Yeah, yeah. So I'm absolutely not bothered, and they are not people that I want listening to our music anyway. The people that do take notice and think, oh, maybe that's interesting or that's that's something that I like, then good, welcome. Do you know what I mean? That's all I care about, and it's... I wouldn't necessarily say that I'm in a privileged position but I I kind of am now in a way because I'm lucky enough to have people asking me these questions and actually be interested in um, my opinion and what I have to say about it yeah yeah and now it's down to me to respond appropriately and now I actually have a platform so now's a really important time
0: yeah and kind of in terms of i mentioned this obviously before we started that I wanted to kind of bring this up but like kind of before you were kind of even put on that platform like you were in a really strong position in something that ha- was horrible that happened within our scene mm-hmm. in terms of someone that I considered a friend, mm-hmm. a lot of people considered a friend, turned out to be an absolute piece of shit. <laughs> yeah. um, I don't want to go into too much details, but obviously a lot of people kind of came to you with their stories of what had happened. So first and foremostly, like, what was that like just to kind of have that overwhelming sort of pile of information just kind of dumbed on you because I remember I reached out to you and I was like, "Are you okay? Yeah. Do you need me to do anything?" sort of thing.
1: Yeah, and I was very grateful for that. <laughs> so um, like... That that whole thing ruined my life for a good couple of months. Mm. Yeah, I, I I have no regrets at all. No, 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 and you should at all. Um, I have no regrets, but it was very overwhelming. But I asked for it because yeah. I put out a call online on Facebook and on Twitter and said this person is not a good person yeah I've heard too many stories now and when you hear too many like there's no smoke without fire
2: yeah yeah
1: and I'm tired of this person getting away with it and if you feel comfortable enough to talk to me about it I will try and put a stop to it
2: yeah
1: you know um what I didn't expect and what the most heart, the most heartbreaking thing about the whole situation was just how many people yeah, contacted yeah. me. The first day, it was like 10. The second day, it was like 30. By the end of that week, I'd spoken to 50 or 60 yeah, yeah. different people who had all been abused by this person. Yeah. Um, and it was truly awful. Like, truly, truly awful. So... I just kind of had to make a decision and was just just like, okay, I'm in a position now yeah. where I actually have a responsibility to all of these people who have trusted me with their experiences yeah. to put it out there. And I have a responsibility to all the people who haven't met them yet to know that this person is an incorrigible piece of shit. Yeah, yeah. And that's the thing. You... You hurt me, then maybe I'll let you get away with it. Yeah, you
2: know?
0: yeah. Because that's do... the thing, because it's it's then kind of an internal thing, isn't it? Yeah, it's just iso- well isolated for you, sort of thing.
1: Well, that was the main problem was that every single person, most you know, a lot of the people who had come forward to me had said, "I thought it was an isolated incident. Yeah, yeah. I thought they'd, I thought they'd only done it to me," and the pattern of abuse had gone on for so long mm. and for over so many years that it was horrendous i just broke down i had a full breakdown like i couldn't fucking cope with it but outside of that it is was just pure resolve do you know Mm. what i mean it's like right i'm having to read messages from all of these people across the country
2: yeah
1: all of these people whose lives you've ruined and now i'm gonna fucking ruin yours i'm gonna ruin your fucking life (laughs) i will fucking ruin you yeah Just pure anger and pure rage. Yeah. And just, like, how dare you think... How dare you think that you could do this over and over and over and over again? And Mm. how dare you get away with it for so long?
2: Mm.
1: And, you know, I'm not a hateful person, but people like that deserve hate. Yeah, yeah. Because people like that, they're hateful people.
0: Yeah. Well, because I remember, so miles a guitarist in, in my band mm-hmm. doesn't know this person okay. from adam apart from i think just seeing the name on social media sort mm-hmm. of thing and he actually texts me at work and was like what the fuck is going on because i hadn't seen it at this point yeah so that just shows like the enormity of how wide it kind of went That people that didn't even know yeah this person sort of and like i think if it's any sort of praise on, on your part. Now, if you Google the person's name, your post is the first thing that comes up.
1: I'm so glad. <laughs> I'm so glad. And it's not... Yeah, it's not for me, do you know what I mean? No, it's no, the fact, I know, but... It's just the fact that this person is, has moved to Europe and thinks that they can run away. Yeah. And thinks that, you know, that nothing will happen now because they're in another country. They're fucking wrong. Yeah. Because there are people there that know as well. Mm. And, you know, the real irony of the whole situation is this person positioned themselves at the forefront of like punk and diy hardcore in the uk
2: yeah.
1: was quite a pr- prominent figure in those scenes putting on shows putting on festivals and stuff like that and that's how they were able to get away with this abuse, yeah. abuse for so long but the fucking jokes on them because everyone knows who they are yeah you know it was uk wide it was national oh yeah
2: yeah
1: and people who had never met them even knew about it And, yeah, fucking go to Berlin. Go live in Berlin. Do you know what I mean? Think you can get away with it. Fucking shave your head, dye it pink again. Fucking cut another bowl cut. (coughs) It's still there. Like, it's still there online. And it will always be there on my Facebook publicly. Yeah,
2: yeah.
1: You know, see what happens. Like, there's no getting away from that. There's no getting away from that. And, you know, people people make mistakes, but you make 50 or 60 mistakes. Yeah, not mistakes. that many times. Yeah. yeah. It's, like, it's unacceptable. And I won't, I won't allow it. Yeah. Like, I just won't. I won't fucking allow it. Maybe that sounds arrogant. No, no, no. I,
0: I think, like, that's the thing. Like, now, without this kind of, saying, sounding like I'm giving, giving you kudos for what you did, but, which I think rightly should be done, but, I think that kind of turned a lot of people on, to like, shit, we need to be doing more. Mm-hmm. And, I think that accelerated a lot of people's attitudes changing Mm -hmm. and that's like obviously i know other people such as red such as such as sean and things like that kind of reached out to you for support and kind of Mm -hmm. offered help and things like that and it's all kind of because of that i think obviously as i say there's always room for improvement but like there's more of an attitude change and i think that's if one positive has come from it sort of thing.
1: Yeah, I think it's set... Maybe set an exa- an, an yeah. example. It's yeah. like, you know, not being funny, men shouldn't need to see the consequences of those yeah, actions yeah, yeah. to not be a fucking dickhead. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, you shouldn't need to see that happen to know that you shouldn't abuse and hurt women. You, they're grown adults, do yeah. you know what I mean? But, in the very least, it was an example for people of zero tolerance, like absolute zero tolerance. If you treat people like shit, anyone, if you treat people like shit, if you abuse people, you're fucking finished. You're finished because we deserve more. Do you know what I mean? We deserve better than that. And our scene in the very least, I use that term quite loosely, um, the scene our scene whatever (laughs) heavy music has always been such a safe haven for people Mm. and it needs to be a safe haven for fucking everyone not just men
0: yeah yeah right we've done all the heavy shit we'll get back to the band yeah so album is now officially out yes how long did it actually you said three years of sort of process so Mm -hmm. kind of in that sort of process like how in terms of sort of What's finally on the the album? Were the, th- were the songs kind of written and sort of done and it just took a while to record? Or have things kind of changed and moulded within those three years to what we now have that is The Language of Injury?
1: Kind of or a way. bit of both, really. Like, we spent a year maybe writing it and then obviously took some time recording it. Yeah. it took quite a long time to Wait, record. Where did you record? Uh, with Joe Clayton at New Studio oh, so, okay, in yeah, Manchester, yeah. 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 Um took a while to record because I was, ironically, due to a previous conversation, was having some issues with my voice. I'd blown my vocal cords at the time <laughs> and wasn't really sure what was going to happen. Yeah, so yeah. we had to kind of record the vocals in increments. Right, okay. Um. And then we had some issues with mastering of it and kind of all this kind of stuff, lo- yeah, and then yeah, stuff yeah. in our personal lives. And once we actually had the recording had the album recorded sorry we had to sit on it for a little bit due to like label issues and this and that and the other yeah. and this happened that happened and it was just infuriating like <laughs> absolutely infuriating to have to sit on it for so long just being like we have this album yeah 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 and i want to put it out now but i can't <laughs> um so yeah it today feels like a huge relief and i'm i'm just really happy that even if no one likes it, I don't give a fuck anymore. Yeah, you've, like do you've know what got I mean? a record. Yeah, like, we did it. Like, I don't care. Like, I obviously really want people to love it. I want people to love it because we love it. But yeah. just the relief of uh, just having it out there, yeah, it's, it's huge.
0: And in terms of kind of, like, as you say, like, you are now getting national and international press, like, because of, like, the machine that you are now part of sort of mm-hmm. thing. But, like, has that kind of come as... Not necessarily a surprise, but like something that you necessarily weren't necessarily expecting to, to do, be part of, sort of thing. Because I think a lot of people, sort of our age, when sort of we got into Punk and DIY, it was kind of quite hard to, to yeah. find interviews and features and stuff like that. But now, like, it's kind of <laughs> common practice. So, it was it kind of a strange world for you to go into?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean,
0: says the man now asking you questions with the microphone. Yeah, I know. It's
1: got a microphone <laughs> in my face. Um, I will just say this. It doesn't matter how much press you pay for. It doesn't matter how much of mummy and daddy's money you use to pay for your PR and your press. Um, if your record fucking sucks, it sucks. <laughs> so, and people will tell you. People will tell you your record fucking sucks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the, th- you know, the thing is... I've been baffled by the whole thing because I per, per, on a personal level, I think I'm terrible. Like I think oh, I'm, no. no, do you know what I mean? Yeah, but yeah, like, yeah, I have yeah, that anxiety yeah, 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 all yeah. the time where I don't think I'm good. Yeah, I don't yeah. think that people like me and the people that feel like my voice isn't good enough. And like, I think my band are fucking incredible. <laughs> yeah. I think they're amazing, but I think I suck.
2: Right. yeah, Yeah. So
1: I'm... getting all of this press and getting some attention and stuff, especially in the U S and stuff has really been like, Oh, Maybe I don't suck yeah, that much. Yeah, Do you know yeah. what I mean? It's like people always tell me I'm too modest.
2: Yeah.
1: But it's not false modesty. Do you know no, what I mean? No, no, it's no, just no. just me genuinely thinking I'm shit. So yeah. <laughs> so just having people kind of pay attention and getting some attention from people. If if we sucked that bad, it wouldn't be happening. Yeah, yeah. Of course. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So now I'm like at a point where I'm like, oh, oh, actually, maybe I'm good. Like maybe we you know, we didn't write a perfect album, yeah, but I think we wrote a fucking amazing album. Yeah, yeah. So good. I'm just glad people like it and that I'm overjoyed that people like it. And
2: yeah.
1: Even people reviews we've gotten where people are kind of like, Well this is a bit shit and that's a bit shit. How most of it's been positive. Yeah, so yeah. yeah. I'm a bit confused by it <laughs> but really happy.
0: Um and in terms of kind of as you mentioned, when you guys started you were touring, active and stuff like that. So now that the record is done out there into the world, is, mm-hmm. is the plan to sort of get back on that momentum or is that a conversation that hasn't been had yet?
1: Yep. So.
0: Or is this uh, is there stuff under wraps that you're not allowed to talk about? Uh,
1: yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes. So this summer will be very fun. Okay. I can't really say anything oh, right that, uh, now. Yeah? Okay. I hate being that person, like, ooh, I've got a secret. Um, <laughs> but yeah, we, we're doing some really fucking cool stuff that um i didn't ever imagine yeah, that yeah. we would be able to do so we're really lucky and uh just i guess watch out see what happens
0: so that you this i think you're being being summoned no, i'm being summoned
1: oh it's just my silly boyfriend oh, okay. don't worry about it
0: <laughs> <laughs> well i'm gonna finish up anyway so okay. but because you haven't played in a while so this might be a bit different a difficult question. Mm-hmm. So h- how I end the things is to ask my guests what their favourite song is but instead of just what your favourite song is, what your favourite song is to play live mm-hmm. and why. But as you say only three, year, three shows last year it might be a bit, a bit difficult but you might have, have something on there so what's your favourite song you like to play live and why?
1: Uh, so oh goodness that's really hard <laughs> my favourite song to play live at the moment is... Oh, God, that's really fucking difficult. Such so a hard with it. question. That's, with it. that's such a difficult <laughs> question. So, at the moment, I think, can I pick two? Go on then. Okay, so The Language of Injury, which is the title track yeah. of that album. Because, you know, I like singing,
2: and it's, <laughs> it's very emotive and yeah, it's, yeah. you
1: know, really cool to play live, and I just love that song. And the other one is um, a new song off the album called Youth Versus Wisdom. I fucking love that song. Yeah, which is um, really, really fun. It's really aggressive. You know, super HXC <laughs> for all your beat down needs. That's, um, why, that's why I like it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Me, me too, me too. It's fucking great because we play it, like every time we've played it live anyway, when we have played it, people we don't know, everyone in the room, you know. It
2: just goes
1: fucking wild. Yeah. You just get to see people touch pit that you never would have thought would. yeah. yeah. And also, because, you know, we haven't played as much over the past year, um, I will say I've gotten really fat and tired. <laughs> it's, it's quite a difficult song for me to do, but that does not deter me. <laughs> <laughs> it's great.
0: Perfect. Mills, thank you very much for your time. I really appreciate it. Thank
1: you so much. Thank you.
0: so there we have it folks thanks again to Jamila for having a chat with me Uh, as you're aware Ithaca's debut album The Language of Injury is out now on Holy World Records Uh, it's an absolute cracking record I'm not just saying that because they're my friends it's just a really really good record Um, as always you can keep up to date with what Ithaca are doing on all various social media platforms as Jamila mentioned in the chat sounds like summer's going to be a pretty good one for them I'm gonna guess they're doing some festivals, at uh, the way it was hinted anyway. But we'll wait and see. I, I really do hope those guys get every sort of plaudit they deserve because, yeah, they've been around a long time and it's nice that people are finally sort of coming around to them and getting they're getting the attention they deserve. Um, but, yeah, all social media platforms will be in the description as this episode, as always. Um, got a few more shows coming up this week. Going to see uh, Drug Church and Single Mothers uh potentially going to be seeing conjurer and maybe black peaks we'll wait and see we'll see how it goes um but for now thank you again for joining me on the Justin insight podcast and i'll see you soon